So let's get started. So first of all, this is a milestone. This is shrink wrap number eight. Or no, no, I'm sorry. We gotta redo it. It's ten. <laughs> okay. Hi, welcome to Shrink Wrapped. I'm Allison Colarossi, here with my husband, Dr. David Colarossi, and we're here with episode number ten. We're gonna answer listener questions and my questions, so let's get started. Sounds good. First of all, why are you so irritated at me today? <laughs> Give me my camera. <laughs> for, for a lot of reasons. She comes, we're in my office, and she comes in here like, just like a bull in a china shop questioning why it smells bad in here, why my clothes are in the wrong place, why my phone's on the floor. I mean, I feel like I'm bothering you just by existing. I, those were curiosity questions, okay? Okay, so, do you so, want to so, get to the real well, meat? Well, hold on, so speaking of that, if you're interested, so we've been talking about uh, other couples that are in the, the uh, social, social media spotlight, and they always do these clips about, you know, we've never been more in love, and we have a perfect relationship, and here's us on the beach holding hands, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and you sort of know it's all BS. And so we have this idea of doing a new podcast called Late Night Fight Night, where we'll, we'll once a week or, or whenever we want to, maybe it won't be, hopefully, well, hopefully it's not once a week, I guess, but whenever we have a big fight, we will rehash that fight for you. And so the idea would be is it would give us a, or give you maybe a more uh, transparent look at our relationship and what a couple actually goes through uh, when they're fighting. Do you think we're the typical couple? Well, I think you're a little bit nastier than the typical, but <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, if you're interested in that, comment below, um, and I think we're going to go that direction if people want to see it. Okay. Also, you can hear this on uh, podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts if you don't want to look at us. Okay, so there's some stuff we need to talk about. Okay. Number one, do you want to ask me how the Rachel Hollis conference, Rise hey, Health how, Conference? How did the Rachel Hollis Rise <laughs> Health Conference go? It was really good. Which was before, by the way, which was before her book came out, right? Yeah, I did it. It was one day. Um, I thought, well, I felt like her content was repetitive. Nothing new came from her. Um, can, I, can I interrupt you just real quick? Oh. Just to give some context to this, Allison comes to me and she goes, Hey, I, you know, I'm not really on the Rachel Hollis train anymore, but I guess like, for shrink wrap, I should probably, I should probably go to this conference. Yeah. And it was a real big sacrifice on your part because you did not want to go. I did want to go. She totally wanted and to go. She wanted to go, me. and she is still on the Rachel Hollis train. Go ahead. Do you feel good? I feel much better. <laughs> yeah. Good. I feel like I want to have a transparent relationship with the audience. Well, I don't feel like any of her content was new. I feel like she needs to shake it up because it's the same stories over and over again. I've been to a few of her conferences and so Rachel, Ray Ray, shake it up. However, your speakers were really good. So, and I thought Dave did a good job. It was fine, whatever. Wait, Dave Hollis was on the thing? Yeah. He's a good speaker. He's Wait, Dave Hollis and Rachel Hollis did the conference together again? I mean, he's a participant. He still um, he still works there, I think. I think he quit, but I could have wrong. Well, he's a motivator. He speaks. So he did, but they had a couple of really great speakers, and I'm really interested in reading Jay Shetty's book 
Um, and if you don't know who he is, he wrote a, a new book called um, How to Live Like a Monk. But he was an excellent speaker and his eyes were piercing. <laughs> I can't tell how much she likes him as a speaker, or just the content, or is she just so into the way he looks? No, I felt like he had some good, good things to say. Um, and then there was one other good speaker that um, his name was Nick something, but he also did not have arms or legs. It was a different Nick. It wasn't Nick Santanastasso. It was like a... It's a very like Slavic name, um, so I can't pronounce it. But he, I'll post it. I'll post it in the video. But he uh, had a really good um, speech on body image. So um, those, the, I, I think they both have books. So those were really good. So those were the two pearls that I think were really good. Plus, they had Kelly Levesque on there, and she talked about diet and nutrition. And I just feel like it's a really easy way to think about food and I thought she was a good speaker too so and I think it's her book is called body love I haven't read it though but I was I liked her speaking so the whole thing was about it was just health uh-huh it was really good it's interesting because I still do follow Dave Hollis and his uh, Instagram is all about health right now yeah he didn't ghost you well I was nicer to him <laughs> did you read the? did you finish the book I did finish it what'd you think uh, same old, same old to me. I'm, I'm ready for like some new, I mean, I always liked it reiterated to me because I feel like it's motivational, but it was a motivational book. It did not seem like it was about trauma or like getting out of trauma. I just didn't really get that point. I really liked the chapter on like showing up for your kids and not like falling into yourself, but that was the only thing that I felt like was good. Yeah, I posted a video on it, which I'll link somewhere over here. Uh, I thought it was really bad. Like, I thought it was, I mean, not, maybe really bad. No, I thought it was pretty bad. I, I would not recommend that book to somebody uh, who was going through any kind of recent, like, in the last year, loss. I thought that it would, that for the wrong audience, I felt like it was, I thought, I thought it was dangerous. Because it was just, she is just so solution-oriented, just so tactical that I think her writing lacked a lot of empathy. And I think also, because it lacked empathy, I think it, it included judgment for people that weren't moving forward at the pace that maybe they thought or that she would think they should. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like it wasn't really even about like the trauma part. So I think she sold it as like, didn't see it coming and oh, like all of a sudden I got hit with a divorce which clearly wasn't all of a sudden. It was mostly back to the same old girl wash your face yeah, uh, totally. advice, which was the same stuff. So the, so the nasty, here's what the nasty, the judgmental part of me thinks is that I don't know that she has it in her to be as empathetic and supportive as she needs for a book on trauma. And I wonder if it's because she's been through so much trauma. Like she's had to survive so much that I wonder if she's become more calloused around her emotions and the emotions of others. And so what has, what's, what's allowed her to be successful is she just is a pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, head down, just move forward mm -hmm. approach. And that's how she got through the loss of her brother and the loss of her brother-in-law. And that's definitely how she's trying to get through her divorce. And I think that that response may be like adaptive because it's helping her move forward but emotionally not so adaptive and certainly does not put her in a position to write a book on grief and trauma 
for for such a for such a large audience. Yeah. But if you want to reach a goal, I feel like it's it's back at the same like oh this is how you do goals. And yeah. This is, you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah, yeah, drink yeah. your water. Eat the salad. Be healthy. Same stuff. I want to know why the editor. She must have submitted that book, and the editor must have been like. Rachel, why do we have a chapter on eating healthy and a chapter on keeping your finances in order? In a book on grief, I mean, I get that those are helpful, but we've talked about them before. It's like so unremarkable. The content is so unremarkable. I can't believe Yeah. that it made me feel like the book wasn't long enough and they had to just stuff it. Oh. Well, I do feel like, okay, for fi the finance part, and this is just me, I feel like women um and I don't I don't think all women but I I feel like a generation of women like l always let their husbands handle the finances so maybe so they get stuck because they think they have nowhere else to go and so I do think that's a valid point because uh of yeah but before because it protects you against being financially ruined in the case of a trauma or a loss like a divorce yeah but it's hardly a grief strategy. You're right. Yep, Do, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, I get that it, I feel like she shoehorned it in there. I feel like there was only two good chapters in that book. The last chapter about her brother and then the chapter about her parents. The, the two chapters that were actually somewhat personal. The rest I thought was very superficial. Yeah. Okay, so here's a question that kind of can relate to that because I'm kind of curious. So, uh, not, sorry, not about the book, but back to the health conference. Okay. So like all these people went, well, I think they did. I don't know. It was virtual. I went and like, they get you all excited. Oh, so was Rachel, sorry to get into it. Was Rachel and Dave in the same room or they're, he's in a different office somewhere else recording that. I think that they were in the same studio. Cause some people were in studio. The speakers were not, but I think Rachel, um, Dave was in the, I'm not thinking they're hating each other. I think they just, yeah, I don't, I'm not really sure. But anyway, um, so my question is like, you get all fired up. I'm like, I'm going to be healthy and I'm going to have a goal. And we have a goal to run a 5k a day, uh, for the month of October, which totally is, uh, um, started out exciting. Now I'm not as excited about it, but, um, <laughs> We're like, five how, days in. How do you stay fired up, do you think, to stay motivated? I don't know. Uh, I can make it, but at least give me a second here. How do you stay fired up on a goal? You are not allowed to say I don't know. Well, I, didn't, I hadn't thought about this particular <laughs> question. Uh, how do you stay fired up? Wait, how would you tell someone to keep, why don't you start, like, how do you get motivated? And then how do you stay motivated? Uh, okay, I don't know how you get motive. Okay, here's what I would say. Here's what works for me, and here's what I would recommend for people. To get motivated, you want to find people that motivate you, people that you admire, people that you look up to, and look at what they are doing, and hopefully you can find figures that inspire you. So that's how you get the motivation. I think to sustain the motivation, you have to figure out what goals you can pursue that are achievable. So people get in trouble when they set a goal that is, you know, in, I'm going to work out every day for a full year. It's too, it's too much of a goal. It's too hard to get there. And so people will fall off. The idea is to set goals that are 
more short term, more achievable. So for you, for example, if you felt like you couldn't stay motivated for a month, by the way, she works out every day. So this is not, I don't feel like this is that hard for you to stay motivated for, but if it really was, I would tell you to set a goal that was one week at a time, a more achievable short term goal. And then once you achieve the first goal, set the next goal, set the next goal, set the next goal so that you're constantly finding yourself uh, inspired or, or successful. The other piece of it is um, you want to find ways to hold yourself accountable. So there is this app, which I like in principle, I love this app. I don't know anybody that has actually used it, (laughs) but it's called stick.com. So what you do is you go on to stick.com and you say, I think it's S T I C K K. uh, And you say, I want to lose five pounds in six months. And then you say, I'm going to pay X amount of dollars if I don't do that. And you give them their credit card and then at the end of that time period, you have to go in there and say, did you make the goal or did you not make the goal? And if you don't make the goal, they charge a credit card and that money goes off to whatever charity. It's a very like tangible way to hold yourself accountable. And most people, the argument is, will be honest when they go back on to stick and have to rate their performance over the last six months or whatever. But you can do the same thing with people, right? Like you use your Apple Watch to compete with my, my cousin Right, or you compete with me as far as how much you're working out, that's another way to hold yourself accountable. Yeah. Do those, those, given your posture, doesn't feel like you're super overwhelmed by that? No, I, I that, mean, I, about that I do. Su- I think like trying to set a goal is really good. So, like, some people are doing the couch to the 5K, but I feel like they get stuck, like, they can't move past a certain point and then they just kind of give up. Like, how would you? Get them to keep going. <laughs> I feel like I just answered that. What do you what, what do you mean? Like if they get up, they, if they if they if they can't find someone that's motivating for them? Well, no, I think you're right. Like ha- having people around you. I think one of the most demotivating things are having like the people around you that are like they don't want you. They for some reason are like friendly sabotagers. So they'd be like, yeah, yeah. So you got to get rid of those people. Yeah, I do think that identifying, right, it, it's, it feels good to be around people that are performing worse than you in whatever area, right? So if you get around people that never work out, and you're gonna, then you'll feel like, an, you know, like a fitness juggernaut versus if you, if you surrounded yourself with you know, a bunch of professional athletes, you'd feel like you're super sluggish. And mm-hmm. So if you want to work on fitness, you should put yourself in that athlete realm because it will push you to work out more. Yeah. Okay. I think we need to work on that answer. I think, I think there's more. There's more there. Okay. Okay. If, if <laughs> Sorry for that. If you have a better answer for that, leave it in the comments. Yeah. Okay. Next. How do you deal with a breakup of a friend? You have a good... Me personally? You, well, I don't know if you want to tell them that. But like, how... <laughs> Did I have a breakup of a friend? No. <laughs> you just say, peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that, well, okay. I don't have any friend breakups, but I, I think that I would... I don't think it would derail me. But it's not you. It's like, you're different. Like, I feel like I've had some friend breakups that have been really hard. Like, they almost feel like breakups with, like, a romantic partner. Because, it, like, it's so devastating. So... I think you should tell them why you think I'm different. 
you just said it wouldn't bother me to have a friend break up. And I said, yeah, I don't think it would either. And then you said, well, you're different. I think implying that I'm some kind of sociopath. So tell the audience, why do you think I'm different? Because I, I don't feel like you care very much about what people think about you. Like you're very, um, I think, and I think this is important. This is probably important maybe in a difference between men and women too. But I think you're very comfortable with who you are. You're very principled. And if they don't like you, then that's on them. Is that right? Is that how what you would? Well, I do. Th I, first of all, I like that description. I, I thought you were going to go back to the sociopath route. <laughs> but I, yeah, I do think that I, the reason why I made you, why I wanted you to say this, I want to make the point that I think what would help me get over a friendship breakup is that I don't over-identify with the other person. And so while that, may, that means I may not be as emotionally available as you are, it also means that if that relationship were to break up, I wouldn't feel like I lost a piece of myself, mm -hmm. right? And I think that that's what happens, I think this is what happens with you, is if you feel like a relationship isn't going well, you're like filled with self-doubt. Self what did I do wrong? They don't like me. And then you're like reanalyzing your behavior from six months ago. And it's like, it's probably not, it's got nothing to do with you, it's got to do with them. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a risk of, I mean, I say there's a risk. There is a, there's a benefit and there's a risk to being that involved in your friends. Yeah. Well, I, we have had a friend recently that had a friend break up with another friend. And I just feel like she's so devastated. And it breaks my heart a little bit for her. And so are there any tips that you could give other people that might be in that situation? Well, I mean, I know the one, I know the friend that you're talking about, and I guess the, 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 what I see that I would be worried about for her is I feel like she's trying to explain why her friend has gone a different direction. And I think that by explaining it, she is taking on responsibility. And I think it has nothing to do with her and it has to do with the other person in the, in the relationship or the ended relationship. And I, I don't know, I feel like I, we're talking about so many people away from this conversation that maybe it's hard to track. But just in principle, I think that you in life need to be good at separating what's you and what's the other person. And I think if, if, if you experience a loss of a relationship and you start overanalyzing what you did to make that happen, I think you run the risk of taking on stuff that's not yours. Yeah. And probably, like, you have to be very, like, I, I don't know if you would agree with Brene Brown, but she would be like, the story you tell yourself is probably not. Yeah. Like, what, so you, you're definitely, you definitely have a narrative in your head, and you have to realize that you're telling yourself a story. That yeah. it's, if, if you were to tell that friend, like, I wonder if they would tell the same story. So how do you, so here's the question for you, is how do you uh, audit your own story to make sure that it's an accurate story? I don't know. How do you? And are you <laughs> what do you think? I don't know. I feel like it's a problem. I don't know how to do that. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure very many people know how to do that. So my suggestion would be that, and I'm not saying I have the perfect answer for it, but I think the suggestion would be to imagine that this story is happening to somebody else. You have to depersonalize it so that you can be objective and evaluate it, right? So instead of worrying about what happened to me and this friend who I'm no longer hanging out with, I need to think about two separate people and go play by play and evaluate what happened. By, by, make, by putting it on somebody else, 
you become much more objective. Like in, in coaching all the time, I will say to them, imagine it wasn't you. Imagine it was your child that you're talking about. What would be the advice that you'd give your child, right? By distancing them from the situation and putting it on their child, they're, they're able to look at it in a much more objective, practical way and show real empathy versus what they might experience for thinking about themselves. Yeah. And the other, the other tip is you should always try to uh, prove to yourself that your interpretation is wrong. So, for example, if I get in an argument with Allison, I should get in the practice of not just digging my heels in to my view or perspective, but I should argue with myself, why might I be wrong? Go through the mental exercise of thinking why you might be wrong in your, interp- in your interpretation to help reality test. How do you do that when you're feeling very passionate? That's very difficult. <laughs> but the, we, there's this thing, you can look it up, it's called the thought log. And I don't know if this is going to track well here, but the way a thought log works is you, you have an emotion and your emotion drives the way you interpret things. So for example, if I'm driving down the street and someone gives me the middle finger, my initial reaction might be anger. And the reason why I'm thinking that is I might be thinking to myself, well, that was, pers- that was personal. They have it out for me. They did this thing to me. But I should force myself to think, is there an alternative solution or, or, or an alternative explanation? Well, they don't even know me, so they can't possibly be personal. They may, not, they may not have been pointing their finger at me, so it probably wasn't personal. They may be having a bad day. Maybe they're getting through, going through a divorce or whatever. So again, it's not personal. I'm proving I'm reality testing my own thought, and I'm proving that that initial emotion might not be accurate, and I'm more likely to have a more thoughtful response after going through that mental exercise. But how are you proving? You're just having other assumptions. I'm reality testing it. So I can't prove 100% whether or not it's personal, uh-huh. but I can say to myself, it's probably not personal. I can have a much more pragmatic or thoughtful response versus just letting my initial reaction of frustration or anger or guilt or whatever it might be. Hmm. All right. So for example, when you have conflicts, when you have conflicts with family, when you tell me, oftentimes you get mad because I will try to objectively say what might be going on. Sometimes you just want someone on your team. Do you ever feel like that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that in this household. I just have someone that takes the opposing side every time. <laughs> We're going to revisit that on our next podcast about our fights. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what other questions do you have? Halloween. Okay. I'm going to be a road. What was the question? Just Halloween? <laughs> no, just what do you think about, um, what should we do, be doing about trick-or-treating this year? Jeez, uh, I don't know. I mean, I want to do whatever my wife says. <laughs> That's my strategy. <laughs> all right. That's all we have today for Drink Wrap. Thank you so much for joining us today.